The sports world has been greening itself for most of the century, but despite these efforts, most fans have no idea. That changes now. Welcome to Green Sports Pod. Hosted by Lou Blaustein, Green Sports Pod highlights the successes, challenges, and opportunities to green the games we love to watch and play, and give you the chance to hear from the athletes who are taking positive environmental actions. Learn more and subscribe to the show today at greensportsblog.com. Hi there. Welcome to Green Sports Pod. I hope you've had a safe, healthy, and socially distant Earth Week. And when thinking about who should be Green Sports Pod's guest for the 50th Earth Week, and for those keeping score at home, the first Earth Day was April 22nd, 1970, I thought about doing a retrospective about the environmental movement over the last half century, weaving sports into the discussion. And that certainly would have been a legitimate way to go. But instead, my gaze went forward because the world, sports included, has to look and move forward in ways large and small if we're going to have a chance at avoiding the worst climate impacts over the coming decades. Now, one thing that has drawn my interest during the seven years I've been writing green sports blog are the startups that spring up in the green sports world. And while some of them won't make it, some of them will become thriving enterprises and a few will become difference makers. So I decided that episode three would feature a green sportspreneur in the startup phase. Enter Melissa Callison, founder of Oceanum Vela, a startup that takes sails from elite sailboats that compete in the top races and upcycles them into all manner of products from handbags to duffels and more. Will Oceanum Vela, which means ocean sails in Latin, succeed long-term and make a real difference in keeping sails out of landfills? Truth is, it's way too early to tell. But Melissa's journey, which includes a serious unrequited crush on a boat, her ability to be able to pivot when necessary, her openness to new opportunities, not to mention her commitment to clean oceans and a livable planet, Let's just say I would not bet against her. We reached Melissa at her home. Where are you now? I am on my boat. It's a Freedom 38 in Kittery, Maine. That's right. Melissa lives on a boat. Now, how did that happen? How did that come about? I wanted to learn how to sail. And one day I went to my uncle who had a boat and said, Hey, uncle, <laughs> learn how to sail. Will you teach me how to sail? And he's like, ah. You know, you should buy a boat and live on it. So let's recap. Melissa wanted to learn how to sail. Her uncle did not suggest take some lessons. Nope. He said, buy a boat and you'll learn how to sail. Most people would reply, hey, uncle, maybe you could give me some lessons first. Not Melissa Callison. Once the idea was kind of introduced to me, I thought, well, how boring to get an apartment now. Life for Melissa on her 38-foot cruiser with two cabins that comfortably sleep four is definitely not boring. In fact, there are subcultures of folks doing the same thing in Kittery, Maine, Boston Harbor, and elsewhere. And it makes life, well, the opposite of boring. Living on a boat 
it's equally super fun and equally super frustrating, <laughs> maddening. It's a lot of work, but what I've learned is that the community and the people around and the sailors and, and whatnot are usually just pretty amazing and helpful and supportive. My sense of community of living, you know, in Boston Harbor in the marina down there was just so incredible. We had this little group of friends on the dock that, you know, you knew which boat to like go put your ice cream in because they had a freezer that actually kept the, free, the ice cream cold enough. You're lucky enough that you didn't eat it. <laughs> um, it would still be there. And she's been at it for quite some time. I thought I would do it for a year. I thought, oh, I could totally do that for a year, 15 years later. <laughs> it seems like the sailing world has taken a hold of me and it's fully immersed my entire life. Okay, so Melissa has lived on her boat for 15 years. But let's go back a bit. Did she essentially buy her houseboat without having sailed ever? Well, she did have one prior experience. I had had one sailing experience before college, and that was at a summer camp where the counselors and I took out this little sunfish out into the middle of the lake in what seemed to be a big storm. <laughs> and I just had so much fun. Like I thought that was the coolest thing ever and ever since really wanted to learn how to sail. Melissa's love for sailing and ice cream is only matched by her passion for the environment, which also dates back to a young age. Her inspiration to pursue a career that involved improving the environment was nurtured at Hartwick College in upstate New York and at Syracuse University, where she earned a master's in environmental engineering. I do remember my father, you know, looking at me and being like, oh, I want one of my kids to be an engineer. And I thought, oh, God, that sounds dreadful. <laughs> but then I learned about environmental engineering and I thought, well, that, that, that's it. That's, that's what I want to do. I remember learning about, you know, those packing peanuts that biodegrade. We learned about those in chemistry class one day. And I was like, yes, like, this is what I want to do. I want to make things better for the environment. Melissa's work as an environmental engineer took her from the U.S. Virgin Islands to New Hampshire. Eventually, well after Melissa had taken her uncle up on his idea of buying and living on a boat, she landed a job in Massachusetts that involved climate change. What she experienced there both frightened her and also led to the next chapter of her sailing story. I went on to work for the Massachusetts Department of Transportation, which, you know, Massachusetts is obviously progressive and forward thinking. And I was actually forced to, forced, I did not want to, and I begged not to take on the climate change project in our planning department at at MassDOT, I was working with, you know, a colleague that was studying and doing model projections of what Boston, Massachusetts, the Cape and the islands were going to look like in 70 to 100 years. And it just didn't look good. I mean, Boston was going to go back to its pre-fill topography. Back Bay was going to be a bay again. It was going to be not the Cape and the islands, but just the islands. It was really just looking so, so, like, gloomy and doomy. On climate change, Melissa does not mince words. She doesn't have the time for debates. The only time she has is for serious climate action and ecosystem support. 
in regard to climate change, I just think that we need to be responsible tenants of the earth. We should be and we need to be doing the things that, you know, help mitigate climate change anyway. We need to be integrating those actions into our lives and maintaining our home ecosystems that support us, whether we want to debate climate change or not. Like, no, we just need to be doing those things to be supporting our ecosystem. You can probably tell by now that Melissa Callison is not the type to stay in gloom and doom mode for long. So in the fall of 2015, Melissa decided to do something epic, quit her job and sail her boat and home to Bermuda and then onto the Caribbean. Thing is, she had never been on a long open ocean sail like that, much less skipper one. You think that stopped her? Of course not. So she crewed on a trip to Bermuda and, well, let's let Melissa pick it up from here. I jumped on that boat and left in a gale force wind <laughs> with these guys <laughs> with a hurricane in the path. And sure enough, we had a great fast run to Bermuda. We ended up getting there and having a good time. And I turned around, jumped on a plane, came back to work and sat in the office and said, oh, no, this isn't right. I need to get to Bermuda. And I got a call from my trusted shore support and weather guy, Greeny, one day. And he was just before Thanksgiving. He calls me up. And he's like, Melissa, there is a sweet weather window coming up. If you can get the crew, go. And I made a couple phone calls and holy crap. <laughs> this was not your typical Thanksgiving. Instead of preparing butternut squash soup and cranberry sauce, Melissa began typing. It was Wednesday afternoon before Thanksgiving. It was about 4, 4.30 in the afternoon. And I sat there and I typed up my resignation letter. <laughs> I handed it to my director and said, so I think it's going to happen. Here's my, le my letter of resignation. If I'm back on Monday, just please rip it up if, and I'll call you halfway to Bermuda and tell you I'm not coming back. Uh, <laughs> and I took all of Thanksgiving, do some final preparations and provisioning and 6.30 the day after Thanksgiving, my friends and I, we pushed off into the fog ran aground in, in the sandy channel and sailed to Bermuda. Eventually, Melissa sailed from Bermuda down to Antigua in the Caribbean to find opportunities to sail and race. And it was there that she had an encounter that would change her life, ultimately leading to her becoming a green sportspreneur. Right there where I actually had docked my boat when I got to Antigua was this crazy looking, amazing racing machine. And I'm looking at this thing going, and I was just completely just, what is this thing? It had three halls. It was flashy green, had some like bright orange, like accents and a rudder. And I actually, I took a picture of it because I just didn't even know what it was. And it just needed to like be photographed. It looked like, like a spaceship of some sort that flies on the water. <laughs> that's really, that's, those were my first thoughts. Yes, it was love at first sight. The object of her affections was named Fado, 
P-H-A-E-D-O. Per Melissa, he was a strapping 70-foot trimaran monster. While sailing, crewing, and racing around the Caribbean during the winter of 2016, Melissa always had eyes for crewing on Fado. While that desire would always remain unrequited, her love for Fado sparked a new idea. I think it was like at that point where I realized, like, wow, like what I would do for a piece of that sail, or just, you know, get some original piece of, of memorabilia from the boat that just, I just took my breath away. Melissa kept thinking about turning sails from world-class racing boats into memorabilia. Actually, she kept thinking about Fado, always Fado, after she returned to the States. In fact, she got a job working as a seamstress for a company that repurposed sales, but just not the famous ones. Melissa, you take it from here. At some point, I actually did work temporarily at a North Sail loft in Maine, and I was sewing sail bags, so repurposing old sails into, into bags. And as I sewed and I sat there, I thought, one a lot about Fado. <laughs> I remember one day I was actually putting together these colors and the colors reminded me of the Caribbean and the green, the flashy green and the orange. And I was like, ah, oh, this, all these colors in front of me, this, this was my experience in the Caribbean with Fado. And I was like, why, why aren't we taking really famous sales, like really cool sales, like Fado sales and turning them into memorabilia for the fans, the fans like me, <laughs> who would do anything for a piece of Fado sailcloth, right? Melissa's love for Fado and Fado sailing cloth is a key aspect of the story. But so too are her concern for the environment and her entrepreneurial spirit. I realized that these old famous race sails that helped get these boats around the world in the Volvo Ocean Race were getting thrown away. Like they would be used until they couldn't be used anymore and then they would be thrown away. And I was like, this is a problem. This is a problem. All these beautiful race sails being thrown away. Why aren't we turning them into, into something else? Why aren't we repurposing them? Giving the race community, the sailing community, a piece of that race. That's the story of how I, I thought of and started developing Oceana Vela. Um, it's my goal to uh, really engage the entire global sailing community and fix this problem where race sails are either put into indefinite storage or are literally thrown into the landfill. Still, this sailing tale does have one more Fado chapter. The boat itself was being repurposed into another vessel. That's when Melissa approached its skipper, Brian Thompson. I went back to Brian Thompson and asked him, I was like, is there any way I can get a piece of Fado sail? And he was just like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> They're all gone. And he, he actually even said to me that, you know, he, he wanted to see if they could get repurposed, but there's just, there's no program. There's no, nobody facilitating, helping to make that happen. And that's, that is, that is my goal. So Melissa couldn't have a Fado sail, it's true. But she believed that passionate sailing fans, and sailing is a much bigger spectator sport in Europe than it is in North America, would be interested in merchandise from America's Cup and ocean race boats 
the latter a nine-month around-the-world marathon. You know, I, I did get on a few of the Volvo boats and, you know, I sailed that Volvo 70 and the skipper was like, yeah, I have a couple of sails for you. And I was like, perfect. And I was like, that, that would be great to start collecting old Volvo ocean race sails and turning them into memorabilia for, for the race, for the fans. Oceanum Bella has found a ready supply of sails from some of the world's most famous, most loved racing boats. And Melissa and those boat owners are excited to keep those sails from ending up in the landfill. You know, I'm still working on a lot of the logistics. I have collected a bunch of sails, which has been amazing because the response that I'm getting from the current programs with the boats are, wow, yeah, absolutely. We want, we'd love to have something happen to these sails. Like I said, nobody really wants to throw them away, but it's also not feasible to for indefinite storage in a lot of cases. So I rock up and I'm like, hey, I'll take your really heavy sails and, and do something with them. And they're, and they're excited about that. Melissa and Oceanum Bella have teamed up with a sailmaker in Rimini, Italy, who makes the sail bags, duffels, and other merchandise. The company will add domestic production as demand expands, especially once the world reaches some sort of post-COVID-19 new normal. For now, Melissa knows her market. We're making all sorts of bags, different styles and totes and duffels and little, you know, toiletry kits and purses and whatnot. Right now, we're, I'm selling to sailors, sail fans and friends. And to be clear, Melissa Callison is moving forward during this coronavirus crisis, finding new sources of cool sailboat sail supply while always advancing Oceanum Bella's mission of improving the environment, the climate, and ocean health. So I'm actually in contact and have been working with some of the old major sponsors of, of the teams, their brand all over the sails, talking to big race organizations, I just got a call from a ocean conservation organization saying that they had sales that they would love to turn into product to help raise proceeds for, which was amazing to hear because that's exactly that my, my business plan is to take these old sales and uh, repurpose them and not just, you know, for another commodity out there that we don't need, but to raise awareness and raise funds because a percent of proceeds are allotted to go to ocean conservation and, and cool environmental projects. I'm not doing this just to start a business, but to really be mission driven. We hope that Melissa and her team can take Oceanum Bella to the next level by Earth Day 51. That would mean domestic production, expanded customer base, and increased sales. And that would also mean, among other things, that we've reached a new normal in the world. And maybe, just maybe, that will also mean that Melissa will have found her new Fado. You've been listening to Green Sports Pod, hosted by Lou Blaustein. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And head on over to greensportsblog.com, the source for news and commentary at the intersection of green and sports. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on Green Sports Pod.